Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. Well, as I promised last week, I'm going to do an illustrated sermon today, and this is the day after Christmas. You're here and you're not at the sales, which means that you're missing out, right? No way? Okay, very good. Well, we are so close to Christmas, I decided to do another Christmas type of a message. This one more on Christmas decorations and things, and I've entitled my message, Christmas Chaos. What really happened in Bethlehem? What really happened in Bethlehem? And you know, Christmas decorations run the gamut. I mean, there are some houses that they do a, a simple uh, job with their decorations or very sophisticated, very, very nice. Others are, are kind of fun. You know, they'll decorate with elf on shelves and, and, and uh, I guess there's a monkey that's going around now. I don't follow that stuff. So they can, they can be fun. Uh, some are over the top. They're more Griswoldy, if you understand what I mean. And so we'll find a few of those around. Well, you know, most of our Christmas decorations have certain things. Most of us have a tree, a Christmas tree of some type. And it's almost always an evergreen tree, although I've seen some people use others. It's an evergreen tree because of the symbolism of something being evergreen, everlasting life. Almost all of us have lights of some type. These trees here and the wreaths are decorated with lights. The lights can remind us that Jesus is the light of the world, or most of us see them as the stars that would have been shining that night when uh, the shepherds were uh, talked to by the angels on the night he was born. Uh, many people put a star at the top of their tree. We have a star at the top of our Christmas tree. I, I guess um, 
the grandkids hadn't seen it before because both Nora and Ezra, when they were over, looked up and they saw our star. And they talked about it. And the star, again, symbolizing that star that appeared, that announced his birth and also took the, uh, the magi to the house where Jesus was. Some people put an angel on the top of the tree, symbolizing the angel that announced his birth to the shepherds. But today I'm going to talk about a decoration that maybe many of you have, most of you had. We had one growing up all the time. It's called a nativity scene. When we were young, we called it the manger. We're going to be getting out the manger for Christmas till I found out that manger means feeding trough. That's only one part of it. It's just the part where Jesus was laying. Because the Bible tells us that she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she laid him in a manger. That's, the, that's basically the feeding trough that uh, Jesus was laid in. And so the nativity scene, some people call it a crash, has become a very, very popular uh, decoration in many people's homes. And it's composed of a variety of statues that are used. And so we're going to put up a nativity scene today. And I have asked my helper, Ada Diener, to come and help me. So Ada, would you come, please? She is going to put together this nativity for me. And so that you can see everybody and they can see you, why don't you step all the way up there? There you go. Yeah. Are you good? You good? All right. So I told her that I'm going to be handing her things, and she's going to set up this nativity scene. And I see you're wearing ears today. What is that symbolic of? I don't know. You don't know. Okay, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I wasn't sure what the ears were for. I had some blinking Rudolph ones, but I decided not to wear them up here. I found them distracting. So are you ready to start putting this together? All right. So let's start with... The people that are a part of this, and uh, as I hand these to you, Ada, you just put them wherever you would like. Who is that, do you think? Mary. That's Mary. Go ahead and put Mary out there someplace, okay? And here's, uh, here's someone. Who's this? Joseph. Okay, so put Joseph out there someplace. So we got Mary and Joseph, very common in nativity scenes. And then, this is what is the manger. That is the feeding trough or the thing that Jesus was in. Now, as I did some research on mangers, they were actually very large because several animals would be up to them. All of, the, all of them that tend to be in our nativity sets are big enough just for a baby. But they would have been a very large feeding trough that um, uh, animals would have eaten their, their food from. What are we missing? Well, yeah, we're missing animals. What else are we missing? Or maybe I should say, who else are we missing? The three wise men. The three wise men. But the person I'm thinking about is this little guy. Who's that? Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. That's right. We're missing baby Jesus. See, I could only afford three statues because of their size. So I don't have any wise men. And I have one animal here now. What kind of animal should we make her? What? Was, that's okay. Did you say a cow? A cat. Oh, we have a cat. Well, yeah, to tell you the truth, there probably were cats because more than likely there were mice. You ever think? Yeah, see, there probably were. You know, in our nativity set, we always decorated it with, with some trees. So 
why don't you set up some trees? Here's another. I know it's a little hard to stand up there on that, on that thing, but see, now that we have trees, you'd be looking through the trees. Now you can look on top of them. I got a couple more. Yeah, I got a couple more trees for you. So some more decorations. Find a nice spot to put some trees. Hey, that's looking pretty good. Yeah, very, very good. Okay, nice job so far, right? Okay, well, I got a couple more things. I, it was a place where animals were, so I think we need to decorate with some straw. Would you like to scatter some straw around there someplace? Good. Because probably in the feeding trough was straw, and that is what was something soft. Oh, I got some more. Would you like some more? Here you go. I'll put some maybe on this side. Can you reach over there and drop some straw in there? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Would you like some more straw? No, no more? You're good. She's good. No, no more straw. So all the rest of this in the box, I guess I won't use. Very good. Very good. <laughs> oh, my. Ada, have you ever gone to the fair? You have. You've been to the fair? Have you ever at the fair gone into where they show the animals or keep the animals, those, those horse barns and cow barns and stuff like that. Have you ever been in those? You think so. If you had, what is the first thing that you think about when you walk into one of those animal barns? I'll tell you the first thing that I thought about when I was a kid. It really smelled bad. <laughs> I told her it really smelled bad. Because, you know, animals kind of smell. And where Jesus was born was a place where animals were kept. Now, if this was a true nativity set, we would have built a little structure here. But you know what? Actually, in that day and age, the animals weren't normally kept in a structure. They were kept in a cave. They were kept in a place in the rocks that had enough uh, cover for the animals to get some protection from the elements. So actually, most of this would take place in a cave. And so, you know, if it was a cave with animals in it, I think it probably smelled a little bit like those barns because animals smell. And you know what? I have brought one more decoration with me, one more special de decoration straight from the farm. It is exactly what would, have been, what would have been in this nativity scene if it was for real. Are you ready for the last decoration? Okay, I've got it here. You know what that is? Have you ever been around a horse? Yes. Uh-huh. And when horses eat hay, something comes out the backside of the horse. What comes out the backside of a horse after they eat their hay? Mm -hmm. I don't think she wants to say it. Poop. You know what this is? Yes. This is genuine Blue Tassel Farm horse poop. Would you please decorate our manger scene with it? Here's some more. I'll put some over here. And you say, 
Pastor Rick, why are you putting poop in the manger scene? There's more for you. Because it truly was there. Truly was there. Thank you so much for your help. And I have something for you. It's called a wipe. <laughs> and you may use that to wipe your hands. Would you give it up for Ada, my helper, today? Thank you very much. You can go on back. You did a great job helping me decorate this nativity scene a little different than most people ever decorated. See, the place where Jesus was born was not necessarily clean. As a matter of fact, it was truly a place where animals were kept. And so there would be the smells, there would be the droppings or the, the manure, and very possibly there would have been some mud, there would have been hay. Um, when our children were born, each time one of my kids was born, we were surrounded by a very sterile, clean birthing room. And we had a nice bed in which Sherry could lay on. Um, we had running water, trained staff. They would have had no running water. If they had water at all, Joseph would have had to have gotten it somehow in a bucket from a well or from a cistern. Um, we had pain meds if necessary. Mary would have had none of those, no pain meds at all. And all of, as all of this is going on, as Jesus is being born, they're surrounded by the noises and the smells and the emotions and the pain and the discomfort and the anxiety and the uncertainty and the excitement and the hope. But what they were surrounded by is a dirt floor, probably hay or straw, manure, very little light. In fact, most of the statues of Joseph tend to have him carrying a lantern because they would have needed some light in there. I think we have sanitized Christmas. I think we have taken Christmas and we've made it into something that was a whole, is, we imagine, was a whole lot cleaner than it really was. As a matter of fact, this, even, the, even the depictions of the family. Look at this picture of Mary. This is our, our Mary statue. If you can bring up the, there she is. And peace, calm, wonder, awe. For a woman who just delivered a baby. Never happened when our babies were delivered. Sherry never had that expression on her face after the delivery. In the delivery, she did not have that expression on her face. It was difficult. And this was a natural human birth. But we've sanitized it. Mary is almost prayerful as she gazes down at the infant. Then there's Joseph. Joseph tends to be uh, standing guard over the Holy Family. And he is there, and again, he is very stoic. He has no emotion on his face except for wonder at this child. Let me tell you about my experience with our firstborn. I thought I had it together. I was showing Sherry how strong I was and that it's going to be just fine. The hospital was all of 
three minutes away, took most of the time getting in the car. We could see the hospital out of the back door of our house. We were that close to it, so we were just fine. If the car broke down, we could walk. It was less than a quarter of a mile away. She would have loved to have done that, but we could have walked. And so when it really came together, I had it together, and the contractions are, are coming closer together. So Sherry says, why don't you put together dinner just in case, you know, we still need to be home. And we were having lasagna that day, and oh, I could handle that. I put together dinner before and put it all together as the contractions are going on. I've got it all together. I forgot to put the noodles in the lasagna. I layered the cheese, I layered the sauce, I layered the meat and the cheese and the sauce. I forgot the noodles. I wasn't anything like Joseph. And I want to tell you something. When we had to leave with that baby out of the safety of the hospital where we had this trained nursing staff who would bring the baby to Sherry whenever uh, she wanted it, either for feeding or to hold it, we had this wonderful trained staff then we had to take the baby home all by ourselves. And that's why the firstborn always goes into therapy more than the other children. Because <laughs> we came back about a week later for some checkups, and the nurses, say, you, the nurses greeted us and said, you guys look so much better. You look terrified when you took this baby out of the hospital. We got Christina in her car seat and figured out how to get the car seat all strapped in. And again, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be stoic like Joseph here, but I'll tell you what, I was a mess. But we learned. I say that because this couple also had never had a baby before. And so we have sanitized Christmas. And then, of course, there's the, um, there's the baby the baby Jesus, the child. Unfortunately, the child Jesus in the depictions of him, whether it be in statuary or in artwork, he looks more like a doll than a real baby. Look at, his, look at the look. He's got a little bit of a smile on his face. He's so calm. He's so wonderful. No crying he makes is the way the song goes. Uh-uh. He squawked and he cried and he was probably cold and he was hungry. He was a baby. And we've sanitized Christmas. We've made the baby Jesus something that sits in a manger set. And so today, I wanted to unsanitize it a little bit. So I brought a Christmas decoration that most of us never have thought to put with ours, some manure some hay. Thought about bringing some dirt and some dust, but I thought if we can get Ada through the manure part, we'll be fine. We won't worry about the dust and the dirt. And by the way, girl, I am so proud of you. I could just see her going, ew, I'm not going to touch that. But she was a trooper. She put horse manure around a nativity scene. That says a lot for that little girl, don't you think? What's my point this morning? I have three, but here's the first coming up on the screen. The birth of Jesus was a real human birth. It was filled with emotion. It was dirty, smelly, and bloody. Every woman here who has ever given birth knows. Every man that has ever been in the birthing room knows. 
And, and we're in a clean, sanitized environment. Can you imagine? Surrounded by manure, hauling water by buckets, around animals. Can you imagine? But that's what it was. Second thing about this birth is this. The birth of Jesus took place in a less than ideal place. And it happened to teenagers who had never done this before and they were alone. This was not Mary's sixth. It was her first. Very possibly Joseph was a teenager himself. Last week we talked about Mary possibly being 14 years old at this time, maybe 15 at the most. Some people feel that Joseph could have been older and that's fine, but he didn't have any other children. This was their first birth. Now, being the rural folks they were, they had, I'm sure, seen animals give birth to their young, but this was their firstborn. And there's no staff. We were nervous and we were surrounded by staff. You know, you're, you work as a, as a needle natal nurse, or you have, um, and so you understand what parents are like in the birthing room. And we can be pretty... <laughs> We can be pretty freaked out with everything that is going on. This couple was there by themselves. If they didn't do it, it's not going to get done. The third thing that I want to make a point is of this today. God identified perfectly with humans because he loved us and was willing to humble himself to set us free. God came to earth and allowed himself to be born in this kind of a setting. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? A couple of scriptures, first one coming up on the screen this morning. It's from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. It says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The, um, the Greek for this, I, I did a little study of the Greek of this text. Jesus, who being in very nature God, basically, this is what it means. Jesus in heaven had the outward appearance of God because he was God. He was God in heaven. He was the very nature of God because he was God. But when he came to earth as a human, he now existed in exact form as a man. In fact, he proved it by being born as a baby. You know, could God have come to earth fully formed as a man? Certainly he could have. Could God have just appeared in flesh and blood? Certainly he could have. But there was a reason that he didn't, and that reason is in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, coming up on the screen. Look at why God did what he did. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, and this is, this is a key verse, therefore it was necessary for him 
to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters. Not the statue Jesus, but a real live baby who cried, who needed to eat, who needed to be cared for until the age that he could care for himself. The story of the birth of Jesus is the story of God becoming a man in a totally, completely human manner. Another point coming up on the screen. And this is, this is where I really want us to see this morning. It is the story of God, not afraid to touch the dirt we touch, feel the pain we feel, smell and taste what we smell and taste. The story of the birth of Jesus is the story of God not afraid to touch the dirt we touch, feel the pain we feel, smell and taste what we smell and taste. Jesus saw and experienced hatred and love directed at him and others. He saw sickness, disease, and poverty up close. He saw the rich take advantage of others, and he also saw them be incredibly generous. He learned to walk, talk, read, write, and pray. He learned these things. They weren't just divinely put into him, just as you have watched your children grow up and learn to walk and talk and read and pray. He felt the heat of the sun and the cold wind. He had to bathe, or he'd stink just like the rest of us. He had to cut his hair, his fingernails, and his toenails. He had to eat, sleep, and use the bathroom. Let me say this to you. Never feel that God doesn't understand. Never feel that he can't relate to you. Never feel like he is above you and can't relate to what you are feeling and experiencing. Because, as it says in the 17th verse... He was made in every respect like you, his brothers and sisters. He has experienced it all. And because he's experienced it, he can identify with us. We can identify with him. That is the God who loved you so much that he was willing to come to earth in the most humble of circumstances to live, to learn, to grow, and finally to die in your place. This is the God who loves us. This is the God who loves you and who loves me. And I kind of stand in awe. I don't stand in awe of the sanitization that we've made for Christmas and how the figures are depicted. I don't stand in awe of that. Oh, there's some beautiful, beautiful pieces of art. I stand humbly and in awe of a God who in very nature God, in the form of God is the way the King James says it, in the form of God, and the Greek means that he was God. Everything that God was, he was in heaven. He would, let that, he would lay that aside and he would fully take on the form of a human for a period of time so that he could do the Father's will 
die for you, die for me, shed his blood. That's our Savior. He is worthy to be worshipped and honored and praised. And so as we close out 2021, as we close out this Christmas season, don't ever let your thoughts or the enemy convince you that God doesn't understand. I believe that he came for the very purpose of showing us that he does understand because in everything he became like us. And he experienced everything that you and I experienced. One other thing that he experienced that the Bible is very clear about he experienced every single type of temptation that you and I experience. He was not sheltered from temptation. He experienced it. In fact, he experienced some temptations you and I never have experienced. There's a story in the New Testament where he was fasting and he was out in the wilderness and the devil came and tempted him in some very significant ways. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, just like you, just like me, yet with out sin. He chose to honor his father and he chose to sin not. There is nothing that Jesus went through that you have not gone through. He knows what it is like to be tempted and it says he can also help you, show you a way out so that you do not have to walk into sin yourself. He's our example. He's our model. He's our God. And at least this Sunday, here on this platform, the nativity has been desanitized. I don't know if any of you would... Just a suggestion. Next time you put up your nativity, maybe just have a little piece of manure. You might want to hide it so that the guests don't see it. Why? As a reminder that what you're putting out, because we, we have a three, four, five different nativities um, through the years. Sometimes missionaries would have one from their country, and I think they're fascinating to see a nativity because the Latin American nativities don't have shepherds, but they have the kings, the wise men. And we have one that came from one of the African nations that was made out of banana leaves. It's just really cool to see how various cultures depict the birth of Jesus. But whether or not it's made out of banana leaves or it's out of ceramic or it's out of something else, maybe you just need to have a piece of manure hidden back in there someplace to remind you that Jesus Christ came into the mess of our world and was born in a, in a stable, probably in a cave that had been messed up by animals as a way of symbolizing that he is not afraid to be touched with the stuff that we're touched with. Team, make your way forward. Let me pray. Father, on this Sunday after Christmas, we thank you. I thank you for all that you have done for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you were made in every respect like us, your brothers and sisters. 
Lord, I thank you that there is nothing that I have experienced, no temptation, no pain, no rejection, that you do not understand because you experienced something exactly like it or very similar to it. Father, I thank you that you lived and you showed us that we can live in a way that's honoring to the Father just like you did. What's the remainder of our time this morning? Jesus' name. Bring it all to Jesus. Bring your sadness. Bring your hurt. Bring your sin. Bring your failures. Bring your fears and your anxieties. It's nothing he's not seen before. It's nothing that he didn't experience when he walked on earth this morning. Don't go back home with what you have walked in with. Because there's a Savior who understands. And He wants to touch you. And you say, well, well, Pastor, I've brought my things to Jesus before and it just doesn't seem that things have not changed. How do you know that today won't be the day? And I do believe if you've come to Him before, something has changed, but maybe it hasn't changed as fully as you would like. This morning, our team is going to be here to offer prayer. Any of our prayer team members that are here this morning, would you just come up to the front and be ready to receive folks? I think it's fine if you're both on this side. But if you have something that you would like to have someone else pray with you about, a fear, a sadness. Sherry already talked about how the Christmas season can be incredibly sad for many people because maybe you lost someone over the past year that is a tear. Maybe a relationship ended and you just... If you didn't have to live this Christmas, you wouldn't have lived it. Unfortunately, you can't skip over it. Some people try to sleep through it through substances and other things, but that's not what you're doing. You're facing it and you're walking through it, but it is so difficult. Maybe I'm talking to someone who's at home, maybe someone here in the building. There are people here that would just like to help you carry that burden and help you to remember that Jesus is here to help carry it too. Lord, we are here as your people. Lord, for the one who is listening today, either here in the building or online, live or on demand, who just wishes that they didn't have to live the past several months because they've been so bad. Lord, I pray that they would see light. Lord, you are the light of the world. And even in our darkest places, you still shine brightly. And maybe we can't see you yet, but you are there. Let us bring this year or this Christmas season, which has been so terrible, let us bring it to the table. There's a seat for us there. I thank you. For the ones that are watching online, meet them right there, wherever it is that they're watching. May they feel your presence. May they feel your peace.
Jesus' name. Amen. I was challenged recently, as Sherry and I have been watching some of the series called The Chosen. And it was interesting that I believe the series did a great job of depicting Jesus' willingness to hang around people who were broken and hurting and dirty and um, either dirty sinfully or, or dirty physically. They weren't necessarily rich. But he, he made a point to be there. He is here for you today. He is here for you today. Don't be afraid to come. He's experienced it all. He was born surrounded by animals and manure and smells. Wherever you're at, he loves you and wants to touch your life. Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.